Proverbs chapter 4, 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Thank you, Megan. Proverbs chapter 4 is our text, and we really be looking at one particular verse that really is a microcosm of the fuller text. Several weeks ago, I went outside in the early morning to get into my truck, and I noticed my tailgate was down, and I thought, that's strange, and I went over and closed it. Went over to get into my truck, and uh, the door was ajar. And I thought, that's strange. Opened it up, and everything was a mess inside of my truck. And I started looking around, and everything of value was gone. I said, someone in our neighborhood got into my truck. And it's just kind of this weird feeling. Have you had that happen to you before with your home or something that's happened to you? And I thought, how did they do that? So I started going through, and I realized they took my license, uh, my registration, my insurance card, uh, prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, various things. So I'm trying to, and this left the, the whole uh, inside of the truck a mess. And I go inside to tell Diane, and she said, well, they break the window? And I'm, I'm starting, to, it's dawning on me now how they got in there. Uh, I didn't lock my truck because... <laughs> If I would have locked it, they would have, if they broke a window and opened it, the alarm would have gone off. And that's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? I didn't lock my truck. And what, what's funny, it's not real funny, but I'm always the one saying, lock the door, close things up, make sure you, you do that. And here I am, the one who doesn't, I didn't that night leave my porch light on, which I normally do. I, w- I would say I always do that, but obviously not. <laughs> and lock the doors. Lock, lock, lock your car. And, of course, we have this little neighborhood thing on the, what do they call that, next door neighbor, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, if you get on that, just for entertainment, it's good usually. But I, so I, I put on there, I got my truck broken into. And then I find out that everybody on our street that happened to, anybody who had something left unlocked um, had their stuff taken. One guy down the street had all of his tools for work, so... Mine was totaled up. I totaled all the values in my truck. It was about $1,000. And wouldn't you know it, my deductible, (laughs) $1,000. So, so much for that. Well, it reminds me of this text in Proverbs chapter 4 because the, the whole chapter is a father speaking to his son about certain things to remember. And I would, I would think this would be one of the things I'd tell my kids, remember to lock the door. There have been times, though, that I forgot. Diane will say one morning, do you realize that that front door was unlocked all night? <laughs> I thought, oh, how did I do that? You'd say even habits, even things that we're used to doing and used to telling and saying, 
sometimes we'll slip up. So in this fourth chapter of Proverbs, of wisdom literature, and what I love about chapter 4 is that you, you see the heart of a father to a son trying to prepare him for life and to caution him and warn him, to admonish him, to encourage him. And so these words in Proverbs 4 and verse 23 say, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Of all the things that you lock up and protect and guard and secure, there's nothing more important, more significant, than for you to guard your own heart. And I know no better way for us to prepare for this coming year than to talk about this issue. this, This text to me has been on my mind for quite a while, personally. Because typically when I get ready for the new year, I, we start thinking about, well, what are, what are we going to do? Uh, or what's going to change about our appearance or where we're going to go? And most of our plans and our organization will be structured up around things out there. Things we have to do, places we have to go, uh, what we want to improve, or our physical health. Uh, most of us will probably be on a diet after after uh, the first. <laughs> That's just kind of the way people make New Year's resolutions. Well, what are those resolutions? Typically, they are about appearance or something you're going to do. And very little attention is given to what people don't see. They don't see the heart. And so this morning, I'd like to talk about this, this text and guarding our hearts in 2019. In three ways, I'd like to to approach this. One, by knowing your heart, to know what's going on. Two, by knowing the importance of what's going on in your heart. And finally, by knowing how to guard your heart. So we, most of us understand that when we, we talk about your heart, we're not talking about the physical blood-pumping organ that keeps us alive, which is very important in the physical sense. And there are times uh, we talk about health and physical fitness. Uh, The word cardia in the Greek, uh, labo in the Hebrew, referring to the same thing of the heart. It's the central organ. It's what keeps you alive. But in this context, and in many contexts throughout Scripture, when we talk about heart, we're talking about the, the person, who you are, who you really are. Uh, the body, this physical body, is temporal, but our spiritual life is eternal. So when I, I talk about your heart or my heart, I'm talking about really who I am and who you are and that person who is eternal. Your heart uh, functions and and the breakdown is pretty common, commonly understood to be our mind, our will, and our emotions. Woven together, not, not separately, just joined, but woven together, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your mind is your capacity to think, to reason, to gather and process information, to remember and to recall. We need that. That's part of who we are. That happens internally. Your will or your volition is the ability to choose. It is what I do with the information that I have. 
It is why we say there is responsibility. I can choose to obey. I can choose to disobey, to accept or reject. And every day is made of little decisions, conscious decisions. Now, emotions is a little bit more difficult to understand. And to be honest with you, through the years, I've spent very little time wanting to talk about emotions because I'd rather just talk about what we see, (laughs) what are the facts, and what are you going to do about it. And how you feel about it is irrelevant. But God made us in His image. And that's not talking about God's body. It's talking about the heart of God, the person of God, who has a mind, thinking capacity, a will, decision-making capacity, and a God who is and has emotions. These are harder to get a handle on. Feelings are uh, relational. But they are the voices, we would say, of the heart. Emotions are the voices of the heart, and they express the heart. The ability to receive, to know, to feel, to express the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I started thinking about this. How would, how would you back that up, that, that God cares about your feelings, and your feelings are an important part of who you are? It's because when it, when it describes in Galatians chapter 5 the fruit of the Spirit or the evidence of the Spirit of, of a Christian, it uses these terms, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I thought, none of those have to do with how much do you know about the Bible? Or what decisions did you make? Or what did you obey or not obey? What it says is that the the principle, the foremost characteristic of the life in the spirit or the life, the spiritual life or the life that represents God are these things, joy and peace and love and kindness. Those are things that are, what do you say, warm fuzzies. <laughs> those aren't as concrete. Those are harder to get your hands on. And yet those are the expressions of the heart. There are at least eight core feelings and uh, this, is, this is kind of an area for me to dive into that, I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm not as comfortable in this because I'd rather just deal with a lot of facts, a lot of knowledge, get all the knowledge. Okay, what are we going to do? Let's do it. And how, how you feel about this is irrelevant. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of cold and hard, but that's pretty much the way I function in my life is that how I feel about this really doesn't matter. But what the Scripture teaches is it does matter. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of how you represent God. So eight of these feelings, hurt, loneliness, sadness, anger, fear, shame, guilt, and gladness. Now, when I read through that list, if I were to read through that list on a typical day, I'd say, well, whatever. (laughs) If I got hurt, forget about it. Who cares? And in a sense, you can either ignore it, bury it, um, get bitter about it. Uh, But emotions and feelings, a lot of times, if we don't guard them, can be the very things that destroy our lives. So your thinking capacity, guard that. Your decision-making capacity, guard that. Your emotions, you need to be able to guard them. 
So the mind, will, and the emotions, or the heart, as Jeremiah describes this in the Old Testament, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Have you heard that before? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So that's the effect of, of sin upon our lives. But when you become a Christian and you receive Christ as your Savior, now you have a new nature. But I still live in this flesh. <laughs> and so the, the day you become a Christian, a, a war begins. The war between your new nature, which is in Christ, and the flesh, which we could call the old nature. People have different ways of describing it. But it's, it's the very battle that you feel every day. And we, we face this constantly. So what is your heart? I think that when, when, I, when I look at this text, keep your heart, guard your heart, protect your heart with all diligence or above all else. Really what he's saying is that of all the things you protect, of all the things you guard, your keys, your house, your money, your wallet. I mean, I even have my mother-in-law bought me... <clears throat> This special wallet, you've probably seen these before too. It's got a little purse on the side. It's kind of the, the feminine side of my wallet. <clears throat> anyway, and she told me, and she's not here now, so she can't give me a hard time. She said, now, people can't see through your credit cards and get the numbers off your credit cards because this has a block on it. I'm thinking, I don't know if that, how that works. <laughs> but but uh, <clears throat> people are very conscious about that identity theft and all these kinds of things. Of all the things that you want to protect, all the things that you want to guard, all of the things that you want to give attention to that is secure and not assaulted by Satan is your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions. God cares about those. God asked Adam and Eve <clears throat> after they sinned, where are you? I kind of thought that's a, why would God ask someone where they are? Because <laughs> God knows everything, and God is everywhere. Why does he ask it? Because he wants them to reckon with where they are. And it wasn't just physically, oh, we're over here. It's where they are spiritually, where they are internally. And I think that's a good question. The Lord may ask you today, where are you? Where are you with your heart? So why is it, why is it so important? To guard your heart. The heart is described as the center of our being. It is described as who we are. This, uh, in, in Proverbs 27, verse 19, it says, As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. It matters to God more than anything, is your heart. In the early days of Genesis uh, 6, when God was displeased with what he saw on the earth. This is interesting because this is before God judged the world with a flood because of their sin. Notice what he sees and is displeased with. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what God saw was past the, the physical beings on the earth, what was happening, the deeds of the earth, to the individual hearts. And this is what he was displeased with. Even Isaiah 
during the, the time of the prophets, said, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. He even described this, uh, Jesus described the Pharisees that same way. You know what? They do all the right things. They say all the right things. They go all the right places. They look the right way. But their hearts are far from me. And I thought, wow, that's really convicting. It's really convicting because it's, it's easy for me to go do the right stuff, go the right places, talk the right talk, walk the right walk, sing the right songs, say the right verses, do all the routine. And my heart is drifting. It's drifting. When David was looking, uh, when, when God was looking for a king of Israel, he chose David because he said, the Lord has sought for a man after his own heart. David was recognized as a man after God's own heart. So you see the value that he places in judgment, in what he's concerned about with people, and choosing a king. But even in the New Testament, in Luke 6, it says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Think about this. Do you remember that there's a lawyer that came in the New Testament time to Jesus and, and he asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he's probably thinking out of the, the 660-some commands, he's going to pick something maybe obscure. But the Lord said this, Jesus. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your what? With all your heart. And he says, your soul, your mind, your strength. In other words, your whole being. But he starts with the heart. To love the Lord with all your heart. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going past, it's, it's beyond what people see. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says, A man that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. So if I, if I have control of everything in my life, my bank accounts are secure, my house is secure, my car is secure, I've got all the right systems in place, but I have not guarded and protected my heart. I'm a disaster waiting to happen. And a lot of times we can, we can have this false sense of security that we're really doing fine. We're really doing well, but we're not doing well. The heart directs the course of our lives. And this is what he's saying in, in this verse. Everything we do is directed. It's like a like a, a pool at the top of a mountain of of water, and then all the streams run down the mountain. And you could be down at the bottom of the mountain trying to clean up the water and spend your whole life doing that, but you really need to go back to the source and make sure that's clean. Because if if the, the pool at the top is polluted then everything else is going to be polluted. And this is, this is true about our lives. And what he's saying is that 
if my heart isn't right, nothing I do in life will be right. Now, it may appear to be right. It may look right. I may think it's right. Other people may think it's right. But if things aren't right here, nothing will be right. So I think this coming year, of all the plans and thoughts that I have, I'd like to do this, like to do this, praying about this, doing this, I thought, <clears throat> if there's anything that I give myself to, is here. When the heart is right, it's going to affect everything that flows from that. The heart directs the course of our lives. The mind, we think things. We can't help but think things. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Some thought comes into your mind and you thought, where did that come from? And you're ashamed of it. Um, I just was, this, usually when I'm preparing a message, it's really funny how, how, how this works is, is I'll be preparing a message and it's like, like I just get hammered on this stuff all week long. It's not just trying to process the, the text. It's like it gets tested. I'm, and I'm thinking, where do I get thoughts that are not pleasing to God? They just kind of end up in my head. And, and, and really, I've heard one, someone say, you, can, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Um, and that's like thoughts. Thoughts will come, and they may you think, where, where did that go? Maybe, maybe something lustful, maybe something unkind or evil, or some thought, some word you want to say to someone. Where did that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. Your stinking, rotten flesh, one, come there, come from Satan, who is uh, trying to bring things into your environment to cause you to sin. And so... That can happen. We think things, but we don't have to dwell on them. And we can choose to not dwell on them. Thoughts, if we continue on those thoughts, they usually lead to actions. And those actions over a period of time lead to affect our emotions and our feelings. You may have heard this expressed uh, before. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. So it starts with a thought. What do I do with that? The will that I have, my, my mind is a, is a constant battleground for things that are pleasing to the Lord. My will is, is I have the ability to choose, but that will has been affected by the fall and I have this natural tendency, natural propensity to choose things that are wrong. <laughs> that, to me, it surprises me in a way. It shouldn't. But I'm thinking, if okay, I love God. I believe in Christ. I've committed myself to be a, a Christian. I tell the Lord, I will obey everything you say in here. But my natural, fleshly tendency is to not do right, is to disobey. It is not to obey the Lord. It's to say the wrong thing. See, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> have you ever thought that I'm going to say something? No, I shouldn't say it, but, I'm going to, but I just have to say it. <laughs> you look back and you think, can I do a better job? But, but decisions that you make, choices you make, will continue to set that course of your life. Now, the emotional part... Um, as I said, is probably the part that I have the hardest time getting my mind around. But I, I read one author who said this about the emotions. 
you see that the fruit of the Spirit is emotional expressions. It's like language of, of emotions. God, God is an emotional God. He created us this way. And, and for us to ignore that or to just pretend like it's not there or to just say, I'll let it go away, I'm just going to do the, hey, do the right thing, think the right thing, do the right thing, know all the right stuff, obey God, we're not healthy. We're not healthy. We're not doing well. And, I, and I've really looked at this part personally, is God beginning to teach me some things. So let's just take hurt. You get hurt. Anyone here been hurt? Well, I would tell you, as your counselor, get over it. And that's what I would tell myself. Just get over it. How do I get over it? Well, just forget about it. But you know, the funny thing is that things will happen and remind you again of that hurt, and it just stings and makes you then anger. Loneliness. Anybody here feel lonely? I don't want to hear about that. Now, what if I stood up here as your pastor and said, folks, I'm feeling really lonely these days. you feel awkward, wouldn't you? It's like, pastor, don't get so open about that. Don't be so transparent. <clears throat> of course, pastors never get angry. Um, we all do. Sometimes we bottle it up inside. Sometimes we express it. Shame, guilt. And I started going through these, and I thought, I've gone through every one of them. Every one of them. But I, I, I tend, I have tended in the past to dismiss, just dismiss it. Like, it's feeling. What's true? What is true? What is right? But let's go back here and see that emotions are tools, like it's the language of the heart, are tools for God to work in you. For example, when I'm hurt, God wants to use that hurt to lead to healing, not for me to go bury somewhere. He wants me to work through to healing. If I'm feeling lonely, and I think all of us experience that at times, loneliness, God is moving me to intimacy with Him. When I experience sadness, God is, is teaching me to express value and honor. When I'm angry, <clears throat> now I always like to think, well, it's always righteous indignation. <laughs> that sounded good, you know. That was, that was just righteous indignation. <clears throat> no, most of the time I get angry is because I've been inconvenienced or frustrated or upset about something. So the question is, what caused me to be angry? Well, I don't want to go there either. <laughs> I thought, um, because that, that kind of reveals what I'm trying to protect. My convenience, my lifestyle, my happiness. But that's where God's working. God's working to try to expose and help me to grow through this. Fear. We've all felt fear, financial, and, uh, maybe losing your finances, losing your home, losing your job, uh, losing your kids, losing your marriage. Fear affects every one of us, and Jesus talks about this constantly. 
well, how can, fear, how can the emotion of fear help me? It helps awaken me to danger, and it helps move me to trust in the Lord, because that's what Jesus said more than anything else, fear not. Where is he moving me? Where is he driving me? Again, to intimacy. Do you see how emotions are moving you to meaningful, helpful, strong, and guarded relationship with Christ? Feel guilty? That moves me to forgiveness. Gladness? <laughs> Gladness proves hope to be true. Now, we go through life. We have routines. We all do. You may read your Bible with some regularity. You may read it every day. You go to church. You sing the songs. You try to do the right thing. But sometimes we can get into a rut of just doing stuff. And our hearts are growing cold. And I, I feel like if you've been a Christian for a while, you're especially vulnerable to this. Because it's almost like you're on cruise control and you've gone to sleep about what really matters. You have overconfidence. You're in the routine. You get a little bit lazy. I think even for pastors, I, I was uh, reading this, this last week, about being challenged by this, of, of preparing a text of Scripture to share with people that hasn't gone here first. It's a dangerous place to be. And what God is trying to do in your relationship with Him is not just fill your head with more knowledge or helping you to do all the right things and check them off, but to have a deep, intimate, meaningful relationship with Him. John Flavel talked about the violin. You know, he said you can take a violin and you don't play it for a while. You hang it on the wall. And over time, it, it, it's not tuned. It's, it's, it just, it, it, it's, it's not tuned anymore. So you have to retune it. Or if you were to drop it or to bump it. But instruments typically don't stay tuned. In fact, Jill had them take all of the insides of your piano this last week, didn't they? Or she said the action. I have no idea what the action is. I thought you were the action. but uh, <laughs> So she's playing this other one. But instruments need to, to be in tune. And your heart needs to stay in tune. And that means mentally, it means volitionally, the exercises of your will, and emotionally, your heart needs to stay in tune. So how do you, how do you guard your heart? This I'd like to just conclude with this. How, how do I guard my heart and protect my heart? And, I, and out of my own probably uh, knowledge or wisdom or experience, I would tell you these things. One is, when you have wrong thinking, cast it away. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I would say, don't allow yourself to think on things that are displeasing to God and discipline yourself to be constantly thinking on things that do please God. Philippians 4.8. I would say with your will, Romans 12.1 and 2, that you present your body a living sacrifice. You commit your way to the Lord each day. Proverbs 3.5 and 6. 
talk about that every day, that I'm making right decisions, right choices. Don't allow yourself to make little concessions on things. And then emotionally, uh, I think of the, the passage that is written at the end of uh, or in Philippians 4, where he says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, this is an emotion, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. See what he's saying? Understanding is mental. The peace of God transcends or, or surpasses that, and that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that's what I would say, is emotionally to pray that God would help with that. But at the end of the day, you won't be able to do it. Uh, <laughs> this is like try harder. The most important thing in life to protect above all else is your heart, and the only way that you'll really be able to do it is one word, and that's Jesus. Um, because I could give you a list of 10 things to practice, and it's just you trying to do it. But isn't that where we come always? <laughs> we come back to Jesus. Jesus is a sa- he's the saver, Savior of your soul, the Savior of your life, and He is the one who will guard your heart. And I think unless we, we come to lean on Him, not just to save us, but to protect us and to protect what is most important to us, we'll not succeed. No matter if we've got the list of things, and, I, and, I, and I've watched this with with people in ministry. I've known people that are, are incredibly brilliant with knowing the Bible. I mean, they, they know the Bible. They just quote verses and facts, and they, they have a, a super disciplined life. I mean, just like they don't do this, they don't do this, they don't do this, they always do this, they don't do that. I mean, just like, like military. But, but there's something missing. There's something missing. And I, I believe that, that the love for the Lord, the peace, the joy, most of those people, when they're like that, it's like they always have a frown on their face. It's like they're not happy. <laughs> and to me, God wants us to be joyful, happy, full of peace. He says that. And he says, that's the way I want you to live. That should be the, uh, uh, the attractive part of Christianity. So, <clears throat> four ways Jesus guards your heart. Four ways Jesus guards your heart. One, by his Spirit. When, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, his Spirit takes up residence in you and is there to guard your heart. You've heard this verse before, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So without that, it's going to be hard to win any battle. To recognize the fact that Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, His Spirit dwells in you, never leaves you, never forsakes you, and He will protect your heart. He does this by His Spirit, and He is our companion. We, he walks with us. We keep in step with Him. It is a relationship. And, and you know, it's easy for me 
And I know it's easy for you because you're made of the same stuff as I am. As I get up in the morning, I get my cup of coffee, read my Bible, say all my prayers, do go over my list of things to do, and walk out the door without any other thought of Christ. Christian life isn't meant to be that way. It's meant, it's meant to be that even if I have a shorter time in the morning, something may have happened, but I get up and I'm consciously aware of His presence with me. And I enjoy it. I, I talk to him. I, 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 I'm, his words are speaking back to me. I'm enjoying the peace that I have with him and his promises. So by his spirit. The second way is by his word. When I, when I read his word, I study his word, I meditate on his word, I think about what he's saying to me, I allow it to go to a personal level. If, I, if I'm reading the Bible as a textbook, it's not going to help me. I mean, if, if all you're getting is more knowledge about stuff, it's not going to help you. This book has been given to you to minister in a personal way to your heart, to change you, to transform you, to lift you up, to en- encourage you, to sometimes <laughs> cut you down to size, but bring you along, to help you work through all the emotions you go through, all the challenges you face. So by His Spirit, by His Word, and he guards us by his prayer of intercession. What I love about John 17 and what Jesus says all through John is that when I leave and I go to be with the Father, I'm going to intercede for you. I intercede for you. In other words, I, I am pleading with the Father for you to protect you. In John 17, you just see how he, his prayer just unfolds, how he says, protect them, Lord, protect them, protect them. So by his spirit, by his word, by his prayer of intercession, and then finally by his body, the church. The body of Christ is the church. You say, well, how does God use the people, believers, to help guard your heart? Well, I shared this, I think, a week or two ago, how that you can, you can tend to live your Christianity in a bubble or on an island. It's a very comfortable place to be. When you don't really open up, you don't really share, no one else is really speaking into your life. Uh, it's, it's pretty comfortable. You know, I read my Bible, I do my prayers, I do my thing, and I go to church and I sing and I say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We're going our way. Well, you're not doing great. You may think you're doing great, but your friend might tell you you're not doing great. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. And I thought, particularly for those of us who've been believers for a while, we, we kind of can tend to think we've got it all together. And we don't, we don't see the blind spots. We just don't. I talked about how physical blindness, you know you're blind. <laughs> I mean, it changes your whole day when you know you're blind. But when you're spiritually blind, you think you're fine. And I, and I have talked to about with, with a spouse. I've, I've asked Diane this. And um, what are things in my life that you feel that I'm, I probably don't see right now that I could be working on? And I, and I know I probably need to sit down, take a deep breath, <laughs> and prom- promise I won't say that. She's been really good with it. Um, but I thought, if I don't do that, if I don't do that, I'm really not going to get healthy. 
Because I only see things from my perspective. And part of the way Jesus helps me guard my heart is bringing friends, other believers that speak into my life. And, and that means I need to be vulnerable. I mean, you spill your guts to every person that walks by. I'm not saying that. But when, when someone is trusted and they're walking with the Lord, you could say to them, what are some things that you feel I could be working on this coming year? What are some blind spots? Well, blind spots are usually the things that whack us up against the head. Say, I didn't see that coming. Well, well the rest of us saw that coming. <laughs> but you've never been approachable. You've never, you've never asked. I, I've said to people, uh, Dion said, did you tell them so-and-so, tell them that? I said, no, they didn't ask. <laughs> they didn't ask. I think I feel a little uncomfortable saying something. This is my grandkids, you know, for family. But even still... And I feel like this is another way that Jesus helps guard your heart is through the body, carrying the load with each other and helping each other through that. So I could say to you, cast down imaginations of bad things, think on good things, make good decisions, uh, make sure you have healthy emotions. But if you don't have Jesus actively in your heart, not just saving your soul, but really saving your life, guarding your life by His Spirit, by His Word, by His prayer of intercession, and by His body, you'll probably struggle. And you may be like me, the person who always locks their truck, (laughs) forgot to lock the truck. And the damage of whatever they took is like stuff. But when there's spiritual damage, there are a lot greater consequences. And that's why the Father says to the Son, above everything else, above everything else, guard your heart. So what I've tried to do, and this this sermon is kind of just on its own, an overflow of my, my journey in December, God working here. to have a healthy evaluation and to get a healthy evaluation you know in business world they call it the 360 that means that all the other people you work with get in a big circle and shoot darts at you <laughs> if I have trusted people evaluate how am I doing and what, what changes can take place to strengthen my heart and to start well and this is my prayer is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 for each of you. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder of all the things that we should protect and give attention to, to guard and to protect. Our hearts are at the top of the list. Lord, you know our hearts. And we know some of it. We probably don't see all of it. But I pray that every part of our being, our mind, our will, our emotions, would be brought to a healthy place this year. Help us not to slip into laziness or just into a rut and not see these things. But I pray a year of 
wonderful growth and enjoyment and blessing of our relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.